Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to help you take your parish from maintenance to mission. My name is Ron Huntley, and I'll be your host today, and with me is Father James Mallon. Hey, Ron. Great to be here. And my buddy, Rob McDowell. Hey, Ron. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Today, what we want to do is help you look at or answer a question that we get asked from time to time. It's something that we've had to wrestle with at St. Benedict Parish as well, and that's the question of, as leaders, how do we engage parishioners in Scripture. As we talk about that, I first want to address and, and maybe unpack what's the problem we see anyway in the Catholic Church, in your average Catholic, around Scripture knowledge and engagement? Uh, very few people actually <laughs> engage in Scripture. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> and that's a problem because, you know, faith comes through hearing, you know, the, the, the reference to the Word of God, that faith arises out of uh, engagement with the Word. St. Jerome famously said, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. Mm. And so you can't, if our, if our job is to toil, to present people mature in Christ, as St. Paul says, then you can't reach maturity in Christ unless you're feeding on the Word of God. Mm. I think part of the challenge, too, is we're still, there's still a presumption in the church of a Christendom model, right? Mm. You go back 50 years ago, culture as a whole, part of, there was a presumption that scripture was true or they accepted it or was mm. authoritative, even if it wasn't accurate, right? So, you know, I mean, even, uh, I'm well into my middle age years now, but it's going to say I'm not old, <laughs> but I remember in, in elementary school, even praying and reading the Bible in the morning, mm. right? And so we're clearly away from that now. And so I think the church is still catching up to the idea that, that people are ignorant of the Bible. I think there's still that kind of understanding and acceptance that we're not fully wrestling with and fully leaning into as well. Well, it's one of the things that I've seen, and what's one of the beauties of Alpha is you realize there's hardly anybody that reads Scripture. Like, Because one, one of the videos or talks is on how and why should we read the Bible. Mm. And you go around the table and ask people, hey, have you read the Bible? And what's the, how's that been for you? And 95% of the people around the table, and bear in mind, 50 to 60% of them are church-going Catholics, mm. say they don't read Scripture. Yeah. And so it's, it's even for people that have been Christian, you know, been going to yes. the church their whole life, they've never even thought about reading Scripture. One of our struggles is, you know, we talk often about the power of culture, and you think about it, uh, we've been around for 2,000 years, or we've, we've inherited a culture that's 2,000 years old, and, you know, 500 years ago, uh, the printing press was uh, invented. You know, previous to that, you know, to have a Bible, you had to be basically be a millionaire because it was all copied out by, by hand. And then there was an, an added problem is that the vast majority of people were illiterate. They couldn't read. Right. So, so think about it. Believe, so for yeah. three quarters of, the, of our history as a church, most people couldn't read. And Bible, a Bible was only something that would be owned by a large community. That's why sometimes in churches they were actually chained up to something because people would steal them. Wow. People were like, oh, they used to chain up the Bible because they didn't want people to read the Word of God. No, they didn't. In fact, <laughs> in fact, if you actually look at the, 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 the medieval church, they did so many things to try to bring the Scripture to life. They, had, they often had plays. They, if you, I was in a church in Sicily last year in uh, the town, town of Moriali. Uh, it's the Italian version of Montreal. Just outside <laughs> of Palermo. And this, I think, uh, 12th century... Basilica has has the most incredible uh, frescoes, the whole church. And it's like the first 35 chapters of the book of Genesis, like scene by scene. It was, it, I, was, I looked at it for hours. It was like 
unbelievable. They went to great lengths to help illiterate people mm. be exposed to the Bible. So it wasn't so much before then that, that people were afraid of, of it or anything. It just they didn't have access for, for many reasons. So then the printing press comes along, and right after that is the Reformation. And in the centuries that followed, that's when you first see, see like in the 17th century, uh, 18th century, the beginning of, of, a, of a fear of, of Scripture, this sense that, well, you've got to be careful. Right. Because if you, if, you, if you go off and start reading Scripture and interpreting it by yourself, you're going to be led astray. And sometimes I remember when I was in the seminary for Christmas, I bought my parents Bibles. And I remember giving them to them as gifts, and they were like, oh, we were always told... We were always cautioned right. against reading the yeah. scriptures. Now, that was never a first official church no. teaching. Yeah. In fact, in 1944, Pope Pius XII wrote an encyclical virtually begging Catholics to, to get into scripture. But right. we've inherited this long cultural tradition. And it's one of the great gifts that the Second Vatican Council gave us is to, is to break open the Word of God and invite people, to, uh, Catholics to be people of the Word. Fifty years later, we've still got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, man, that's really cool perspective and history and context. And then I think to myself, Rob, you're talking, you brought in something as well in terms of people don't, they're skeptical now in terms mm. of, wait a minute, don't <clears throat> tell me there's truth. Like, you know, and so- yeah, I, th- I think combination things, I think people are skeptical, but I think also scripture doesn't, scripture isn't meaningful to people. So a lot of people well-intended sit down and they want to start using the scriptures and they get, you know, and, and it's, you get the, the people that always want to start from Genesis and read it. Like I know a guy book, who right? did that once. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> you know, and you read through Genesis and too bad. The stories are pretty good. Majority of Exodus is good. You get to the end of Exodus and then you hit Leviticus. And it's like, holy cow, you know, so. When I was 18, I did, the, I remember I was, I had a summer job and I'd take the bus and I had my good news Bible. And so I'd read the Bible on the bus. And I have to say, I got through Leviticus but it was uh, it was uh, numbers that kind of got. I was going to say numbers yeah, isn't any numbers, better. I, numbers, I don't think pe- yeah. I don't think people know numbers is just as bad because they very rarely get through Leviticus to, <laughs> to find out. Well, I'm happy to say I got the Second Kings. <laughs> <laughs> but but they look at this right, and you know you're sitting here and it's like, you know we're 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 in the day and age we are, and we have all the technology and we have all this sort of stuff. What does you know what does this book from a culture that's disconnected that has practices that that had habits that seemed way more barbaric than what we live in, that seemed, you know, all this sort of like, what does that have for us today? So I think there's there's that, you know, from the standpoint of kind of that skepticism. But then even if you do read it, it it's it, it's not always obvious to you, mm. right? And it can be very challenging to overcome. And so to be to be committed to it uh, and to, so that it gets to the point of where it's meaningful and helps you understand and point you to, as, as you said, Father James, to the person of Jesus Christ in a way that's applicable to you, those those can be some big barriers for people to overcome. And I think a lot of times, if you know, we we throw people a Bible and and you know, there's you know, assume you, they're going to read it. You know, yeah. <laughs> and you can you know, if sometimes people you know they always say, well, where should I start reading? And I was I say John, um, but Dinah at St. Benedict, she's I think she said Matthew or Mark. So it was a little bit, but but you know, you point with something that's a little bit more understandable for someone that maybe doesn't have a lot of background. I say revelations. Revelations. And so, you know, but and, and even that, that's guiding someone and helping them. Yes. Uh, yeah. To figure out a starting point, right? But if not, you're looking at this 
this book with thousands of pages, you don't know where to start. You don't know what. You That's know. traditionally what we did. I mean, we often. I remember in years gone by for the, the first communion class or the first reconciliation yes. class, see, they, everyone lined up and they were all presented with Bibles up front. And I guarantee you, they went right into the closet or something. I mean, they were rarely I, opened up. It's true. I still yeah. had mine from grade four. Everyone got one at the church that I was going to growing up. And you're right, we didn't read them. And I, I never read the Bible at all until after my my weekend retreat when I was a teenager. That was mm, when, I, when yeah. I, met, I met you, Ron. We were, uh, I was 16 years old, and that's where I really encountered the Lord in a powerful, personal mm. way. And, and I remember then I went and dug out my Bible, and mm. I started to keep it by my bedside, and I'd read it every, mm. every night. And, and it brings us back that if you want to talk about how to engage parishioners in, in Scripture, the first thing is engage evangelization. Because yeah. here's the thing, why are you going to to want to learn more about the person of Jesus Christ, because ultimately all Scripture is about him. He is the incarnate word. Why are you going to want to know more about him if you've never met the guy? Right. I know I had heard about him, but on that retreat weekend, I met him in a profound way, and then I, I, this hunger came. I had, a, I had a hunger, and we see the same thing in Alpha, is that once you have that, that encounter, then, then you have the hunger. Yes. We often uh, start backwards. The other way. Yeah, it's like most religious practices. If it's done out of a sense of moral obligation, you know, it's, it's going to be one of the worst experiences of your life, right? right. I, well, why are you reading the Bible? Well, I should. Well, why should you? Well, it's good for me. Why is it good for you? Well, I was told, to, you know, like there's no, <laughs> you know, versus what you, you shared with Father James is that, no, no, that's, this, is a, this is a means to an end. Mm. You know, here's this person of Jesus Christ that, that I, I want to grow in relationship with, and this book is going to help me get there, right? Then, then we understand, we see the purpose of it, and that's going to be much more motivated. Even then, some of the barriers and challenges can come up, but you now, sure. but you now have a newfound motivation to work through those barriers. That's right. Reminds me of our, our friend Walter, who you know finished Alpha. The first book he read was the Catechism. Like he just whatever's going to get him closer to Christ in the church, he was all in, and and that's the hunger that you're talking about. So I guess to, to summarize, the first thing is, or one of the ways is, you know what, create a hunger in people by helping them to have an encounter and experience with Christ, and that's mm-hmm. how we use Alpha for sure. Are there any other ways that I, I think there's the three distinct kind of ways that we can experience. Scripture in, yeah. in a parish setting. The first thing is liturgical prayer. I mean, in many ways, that was the original context of, of, of the, the listening to Scripture as a community of faith. It goes back to the, our, our Jewish roots. Basically, the congregation gathered, and there was a reading from the scrolls or from the, from the letters. There was a reading from, from the Word of God, because, again, these things were very rare and were, were mm-hmm. hand-copied. People didn't all have their own personal scrolls at home by no their iPhones. bedside. <laughs> so that liturgical reading, and here's the thing, there's so much more work we could do in that because so often, I think especially like the second reading, I've often thought I'd almost love to do this one time, except it would be very, not very reverent, but to go up to the, 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 the ambo and just say, blah, 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 word of God. Everyone would say, thanks be to God. No, I wonder <laughs> if anyone would even notice. Because sometimes I think, like, things like the second reading or the first reading, it's just so weird. Like, it's, it's like, how do you, like, most of the time we don't even understand what's going on there. Now, if you prepare mm. and, and, and come prepared, then you get much more out of it. So there's that whole, the whole liturgical setting at Mass, and then also the liturgy of the hours. I remember my, my first year... In the seminary, I was at Seminary of Christ the King in Mission, B.C., which is connected with the Benedictine Monastery. And I just remember the day 
being absolutely soaked in, in, in Scripture from Mass to the different times we prayed the liturgy, the hours, the Psalms, the readings. In addition, we, had, uh, we were encouraged to spend uh, time with Scripture in, in personal prayer in the morning. There was Bible reading before all the meals. There was a section of the Scriptures were read. And, and it was just from morning to night, it was just this, I was just absolutely soaked in the Word of God. And so liturgical prayer is a big one. The next thing would be personal prayer, sitting down with the Scriptures, with a, a passage of the Scripture and praying it. So uh, either, you know, the tradition of Lexio Divina or maybe a more imaginative t- type of prayer. And then thirdly, what we would call Bible study. So these are two different things. Like some parishes, they'll do Bible studies and they get people doing all these studies. But they don't teach people how to pray mm-hmm. with the Word of God. They don't pe- teach people how to listen to, to, to God speak through, through Scripture. I think, again, part of that is helping people uh, develop the practices and habits. And to your point, knowing that it, it can be used multiple different ways. There's not just one way to use the Scriptures. I think, you know, a couple things is recognize that th- the Bible has an overarching story to it. You, you kind of referenced when you said it all pointed to, to, to Jesus. But, you know, from beginning to end, there's actually a story to it that isn't always necessarily obvious. But under but understanding that, but you have creation, you have fall, and it points to the Christ, and then you have the completion, right? And 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 all of that is 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 taking us someplace, right? And mm-hmm. and helping people understand that. I think the other thing is, and we've been trying to grow in this the last few years at St. Benedict, is in our preaching model mm-hmm. what it is to help people understand Scripture. Yes, right. And it's a neat strategy yep. for you know, leaders, right? Yeah. To, and yeah. and historically, correct me if I'm wrong. But a lot of times you take all the three readings at Mass, and I'm referencing Mass on a weekend at this point, mm-hmm. and you try to summarize them or, or develop a theme. And, and now what we're trying to do is take one of the passages and crack it open and, and, and still make it meaningful and applicable, not just try to explain it, right? But explaining it, showing kind of the nuts and bolts a little bit more. How not, it relates to people's lives. Yeah, and yeah. then because of those nuts and bolts and all that sort of fact that, that's kind of there, how is that applicable? How does that actually help you grow closer to Jesus, right? And so that's one of the things that, you know, we're trying to even model and help people understand. Love it. Uh, in, in a practical way. I wonder, so so those are some things that we can do individually. Those are some things that we can do corporately. But, you know, again, I think about all the people who finish Alpha or take Alpha. And, and at one point, you know, because the Bible, you know, once they hear it, they start to grow closer to each other. They start to really grow in trust with this whole Jesus guy and, and, and some of the claims of Christianity. And then the curiosity rises up, and that hunger rises up, but they don't know how. And one of the things that I've come to the conclusion of, and I don't know if I'm right, I'm an extrovert, so this is my passion, but I, I always believe that if people do things together, they have a much higher chance of actually following through on things. And so... For me, one of the things I've always wrestled with, and even in my time and role at St. Benedict Parish as a staff member, I, you can't assume that your staff is praying it with Scripture. Like, it's a terrible assumption. I mean, hopefully they are, but it was, it's a terrible assumption. And I was always trying to figure out, as a leader, how do I engage the staff, and how do I engage the staff to engage the people they lead? Like, how do we engage? It, it's, yeah. it's, it, it's, it was something that I always struggled with, and I've come up with some fun ways. But you guys have any thoughts on that? As leaders, how well, would you first of all, I, th- I think the, you're right in what, what you say about the assumption. I remember often, uh, I'm not breaking anything here, but uh, in the sacrament of reconciliation, I'll often ask people, uh, do you, do you, when you pray, do you pray with Scripture? And 
vast, I'd say 90% of people say no. Right. They've never, they, they may have read the Bible, but they don't, they don't see it as, as a, a, a place to, to actually pray. It, they don't think of it as pray, praying. And so most of the penance that I give is to, to pray with a passage of Scripture. I've got, you know, in my mind, I get a whole bunch of different passages, and I'll direct people to specific passages with themes or maybe the readings of that weekend and invite them to sit down and take five, ten minutes so they can at least begin to sit down and, and begin to pray with the Scripture. So I think that, that, um, that is addressing that, that false assumption is, is a key thing. So the question of how, how do we actually invite mobilize. people? Yeah, how do we to, mobilize to, do this to get and, results? And mobilize, yeah. Not just tell them they should, but how do we get <clears throat> results in terms of creating a movement of engagement with Scripture? Yeah. Well, um, first, you, you said you're an extrovert. I think all extroverts should have individualistic habits and all introverts mm-hmm. should have community habits. So I think there's a healthy balance there like to, that. to that point, right? Uh, if we can skew in either direction, I think that's dangerous. So I would certainly be encouraging people to get into some type of community environment with some other person that knows the scriptures better than them. Whatever that looks like by hook or by crook, you know, whether you're on staff, whether you're a parishioner, what, whatever, you know, whatever that may look like. And so I think, again, it gets back to, I think fundamentally as leaders, you know, cause you were, you started this uh, question off with people that come out of alpha. Mm. I think when people come out of alpha, we as leaders have to accept the responsibility to help them get to that point. Right, rather than just saying, "Hey, there's a Bible, and let us know if you have any questions." Like, I think right. there has to be an intentional, mm-hmm. like that's where we need the shepherds and the teachers to really that that, that, yes. that really care about people. That's going to help them, you know, kind of make that jump yes. uh, in their in their progression, and almost you know, kind of take them by the hand. Mm-hmm. And you know, structurally, what's that look like? Is that a you know, what type of group format? What type of you know? There's there's all kinds of different ways. Think of what we did a few years thing. ago uh, at Lent. And we, we planned this way in advance, but to basically beef up the discipleship groups. And we had actually one of our staff members, we looked at different resources, one of our staff members who's really got a real love for scripture Catherine, and yeah. Ignatian prayer put together this, this six-week uh, program with different passages and questions for reflection and discussion. And it was incredibly well done. And we literally, I think we had... 400 people sign up and we had, there was like 60 odd sm- small groups that met in different places and it was just an incredibly enriching experience i remember all the staffs that signed up and we actually were were, were together and we and we met together and yeah i experienced that too that when you're part of a group even though i'm i'm very kind of uh introverted that, that <laughs> being a part of the group was was really helpful Fun. in the end it really was but there was a an incredible enrichment because we literally had Hundreds. We had a, you know, I don't know, like one third, one, you know, of our of our parishioners, at least one third of our of our parishioners, meeting every week for six weeks and committing to daily prayer time with the scriptures, meditating on the word Which of God. Taught us how to do it. I yeah. still pray with some of the things that she taught me daily yeah. in that Bible study or yeah. that. that yes, yeah, so the thing about it wasn't a Bible study, right? It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't right. a study. It was. It was a lexio, more, more Ignatian prayer kind yes. of. Methodology. It right. was a bit of a combination of Ignatian prayer and Lexio yeah. Divina. But the point is that we had a lot of people sitting down and meditating on the Word of God and 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 reflecting on it and in, in journaling and, and listening. What is the Lord saying to me? Because that's one of the key questions. You know, Bible study is the driving question. Is is what does this mean? You're looking at it. What does it mean objectively? What is in a sense God saying objectively through this text? Whereas 
when you pray with scripture, you're not asking primarily what does it mean? You're saying, what does it mean to me? What is mm-hmm. God saying to me? Mm-hmm. So, And Ron, I think also too, um, a point around that, that was a powerful group. I think we were in the same group. I think we? so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the scripture stood out to me, not the other people in the group. Um, <laughs> anyways, but I think we have to make it safe for people to ask questions and admit what they don't know. And I'd mm, say this well applies to, to new people coming out of Alpha or new to church, whatever the case might be that way, because they're scared, like, oh, they, they think I should know this stuff and don't. Mm-hmm. But even if people have been around for church a long time, yeah. you know, you, a great you, point. You, you, you get that kind of, uh, psst, Father James, Father James, I, I've been coming to church for 30 years, but, you know, when you said that the other day, that's the first time I've heard, right? Like, and, and <laughs> so I, I think we have to make it safe for, for, for all people because, <laughs> you know, the, the new people don't know that because they're new, people think they're allowed and the older people think they've been around forever. So they shouldn't have questions either. Right. Well, you know, I've spent how many years and you as well in theological education and I still have questions. Right. So <laughs> I think, well, one, one way I've, I've found as well, and it's, it's usually a smaller group of people, but the people who come to daily mass and at St. Benedict Parish, that can be anywhere between 80 to 200 people who come, who come. And often in daily mass, you've got more of a, like you might have two weeks where you're going through the letters of St. Paul to the Corinthians, you know? And so you're, you're not exactly going passage by passage, but it's, it's pretty darn close. And I'll often uh, invite people to, to say, actually, don't just follow your missalette because we're, we're skipping over things. But actually, over the next week or the next two weeks, actually read through these letters and, as, a, as a whole. And it's interesting the number of people who actually... A lot of people will do. take me up yeah, on it. Yeah, true. I hear people, I hear parishioners so, talking about it. I'll say, it. like, if you've never read Paul's letter to the Philippians, like, here's a great chance. I mean, <laughs> imagine going through life and not reading Paul, Paul's letter to the Philippians. It's crazy. Well, it's well, like it, you can read it in 20 minutes. <laughs> See, that's it's, great inspiration to help people do something they otherwise wouldn't have done. Yeah. Someday we're going to encounter some of these people in heaven that wrote these books, you know. <laughs> it's and like, so, I wrote you, you know, the letter. You didn't read yeah, my letter. You know, it's like, you know, we might, we, we might meet Micah, you know, from the, you know, uh, we might, uh, oh, you wrote a book. Cool, you know, for a letter. <laughs> well, you, you did something. You were really big on, uh, what was it called? The uh, Yeah, the, we called it the Word Web. Word Web, yeah. yeah. So tell us a little bit I about I developed that. some things for a couple of reasons. One, I want to help people in those situations who are new to church or just coming out of Alpha who want to commit but don't know how or it doesn't last very long. And I kept seeing that pattern. People commit, buy a Bible or recommit to their Bible, and they fall off. But they fell off because they needed encouragement, they needed support, they needed to be discipled. And so I thought, how can I help these people in ways that's scalable? And so I did a couple of things. And what I'm doing right now, I've got nine groups going and multiple people in each of those nine groups. And we literally read one passage every single day. And Usually the, the, the daily mass readings, isn't it? Well, there's two things. The word web is the daily mass reading. So I have that going as well. Mm. And then I have this other thing going, I call it done. Because when you're finished reading that one scripture, you just text the word done to your group. So there's accountability in saying done. And then at the end of the week, you ask yourself the question, what was God saying to me this week through this scripture? And so then you share it with the people in your group. And you don't read other people's until you've done your own because you don't want to be influenced by what other people have said. So when I see other people's reflections coming in, it's, it's like, oh, yeah, i got to get my reflection done because I want to read theirs. Mm-hmm. And so I, I ref, you know, do my own reflection, and then I get to read theirs. And it's incredible how rich that one reading can be for all these different people. So how would you go about setting that up? Like if I was thinking, well, that sounds really interesting, but what do you do? Like yeah. how do you – is I, it just an agreement among friends? 
So what we do, and again, if anybody's listening and you're thinking, I would love to do that, tweet me at Ron underscore Huntley, and I'll literally get you started on that and teach you how to do it with your friends. But it is so simple. So we just have the whole year laid out, and every Sunday I'll I'll text out, or depends on WhatsApp, whatever technology you use, I'll send it out to people, say, this is the reading for the week. And so then you decide what three or four people do you want to have in your group. And Mm -hmm. I'd recommend not more than three or four people in any one group, or you won't. So it's like one passage of scripture for the whole week the same scripture okay which is a little different and i also do the daily readings as well and so whatever route you take i just i'm a i'm a big believer in recruit people to join you and i often say to people why don't you try it for a couple of weeks see if you like it Mm. you know when you read scripture do you get no i don't get it i don't i never understand it i'm not holy enough all these things that Mm. people tell themselves i said no fair enough so what if we did this together for a week. It literally takes three minutes out of your day, and it's a great way I, to start. I think as well, the, the, think of the role of preaching, not just in modeling, uh, engaging with, with Scripture, but also calling people to, to engage with Scripture. Like, I think we should never let off. You know, one of the things that's, you know, I talk about sometimes, you know, you know, having a vision for the future and all of this and how sometimes some people are much more able to imagine and other people, they're, they're, what they desire to do for the future is going to be driven more by what drives you crazy. I've always been a bit more of the what drives me crazy kind of person. <laughs> and one of the things that's always driven me crazy is the lack of discovery of the richness of the Word of God yes. in so many people's lives. It's like, you mean to tell me you're, you, you're trying to live this Christian life and you're sticking through coming to Mass through thick and thin and you've never discovered Scripture? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm barely hanging in myself and I've, I've discovered Scripture. You know what I mean? Like, how can you do this without that sustenance? And people say, well, I have the sacraments. But remember, sacraments were never, never meant to be cut off from the Word of God. It's not Word or sacrament. It's Word then sacrament. It was yes. the, that's why in the Second Vatican Council, all of the, the liturgical rites of the sacraments were, were changed. Even the, the ritual for blessing was changed that it always begins with the Word of God mm-hmm. because Word is, awakens the appetite. We go from the table of the Word to the table of the altar. And we can't come to maturity unless we're, we're engaging with the Word of God. We're being fed with it. And it, seem, it strikes me that how have we come to a place where we simply tolerate yes. such an abysmal ignorance of the scriptures? Like we, we, in fact, it's almost like, oh, isn't that cute? I don't think it's cute. I don't think it's I don't, cute. I, you know, I don't think it's cute that mm. the people who, who st- I mean, again, think of the culture that we've, that we've, that we've li- lived through. I mean, until the beginning of the, you know, at the very end of the 19th century, substantial group of people still couldn't read. So, okay, there was an excuse. Before the printing press, yeah, there was an excuse. We don't have an excuse anymore. Mm. So, my friends, I hope this podcast has inspired you. Wherever you are, whoever you're responsible for leading, I hope that you can even unpack this with other people in your church and maybe begin to strategize around and, and set a, create a vision for what would it look like to engage your parishioners with Scripture. God bless you. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Thanks so much for listening. If you're excited for more content, check out Unlocking Your Parish, Making Disciples and Raising Up Leaders Through Alpha by Ron Hunley and Father James Mallon. For more information on all of our books, check out the link in the description below. Next week on the podcast. If the Book of Psalms is our our model, it models many ways to sing about God. All of those have their own place, but then there's psalms and hymns that simply sing praise to God. 
And they're in an entirely different category. As it says in, in Romans 8, you know, God's spirit speaks to our spirit and we cry, Abba, Father. That's when there's there's a deep, deep, profound connection that can happen. I mean, it makes the, the hair in the back of your neck stand on end. It's like you, there's something unique. 